Welcome to episode 57 of North v South, a podcast about but not about design with Rob Turpin and John Elliman. Good evening, John. Good evening. Now are you, Robert? I'm good. I'm much better now. I've got a cold beer. Oh, what have you got? I've got a... Same brewery as last week, so I've got a 1906 beer, Spanish, and it's their uh, Reserva Especial, and it's another six and a half percenter, but it's... Uh, last week's was a real chocolatey kind of stout type thing. Oh, it was a Modelo, like a Modelo Negro. This is much more like a a traditional lager and it's very refreshing which is good because I think it must be about 40 degrees in my office with not a hint of a breeze yeah it's pretty horrendous in here yeah it's a good job this isn't a video um, episode I'm close by the way (laughs) it's Uh, it's not what I meant by that Uh, but yes um, I'm good not bad at all it's been a a steady week for me. No, no, no freelancing in Shoreditch this week, which makes a nice change. Particularly not having to do the commute in this heat. Um, so I've finished off a couple of bits of commercial illustration stuff over the weekend and Monday. Sent off to the client. That all went well, uh, which is nice because he said invoice me, and then we'll talk about the next next bits and pieces. So that's nice. Uh, and then working on a couple of commissions. Uh, three commissions done this week um, and yeah trying to uh, still trying to come to terms with uh, the iPad Pro and Procreate in particular yeah I'm kind of in terms of kind of the things it can do I'm, I think I've grasped quite a lot of Procreate you know kind of masks and selections and adjustments you know very similar to Photoshop. Um, the masks thing was quite a big thing to to grasp, so that's uh, that's made a difference to how I use it already. But I still find drawing on it an odd experience. I, I still think I've got an issue with the slipperiness of it. So I've bought a matte uh, screen protector, which I haven't tried yet. So I'll kind of see if that makes any difference. It might just give me that little bit of grip that um, makes it feel a bit more like drawing to me. Um, yeah, and then I think the other thing that's kind of annoying me about both Procreate and I've been using Autodesk Sketchbook, which is really good for drawing. I, quite, I might prefer that to Procreate for drawing. But um, I think because they, they're really uh, aware of how much kind of screen real estate there is, everything's very minimal on screen um, whereas I'd actually like a bit more on screen particularly colour palettes so that at the minute if you're kind of painting or trying to make something that looks a bit more traditional looking in terms of colour you have to go to the colour palette and kind of adjust and select it'd be really nice to have like a static colour palette on there so you could kind of a little bit like you do if you're actually painting you know if you're painting with oils or acrylics or watercolors and you can just kind of dab your brush in a in a different color and make to make it a bit more kind of intuitive and instant uh so it still it still feels to me like a digital felt tip pen you know i'm just basically coloring between the lines a lot of the time 
rather than painting with it. Um, so I've spent a lot of the time while I've been doing my commissions this week with um, Procreate video tutorials kind of going in the background, hoping that some of that will kind of osmose into my brain. But I'll get there. I mean, it's still early days. Yeah, and I think that they've been playing around with the colour on, on that app, haven't they? Um, <clears throat> I still don't think they've got it right. There, mm. there was a bit where you could you you tapped and held it and a um, like a palette came up with the colour in. Yeah. Um, I've turned that off. It's so annoying. But yeah, you're right. The colour shouldn't be hidden away. It should be like a little strip. Mm. Like a, Even if it's a just water, like your... A watercolour strip that you can minimise and, you know... Yeah. Yeah, they're missing a trick there. Yeah, they've got a new version coming out in... Um, Right. In the autumn, I think. Um, yeah. Procreate 4, so we'll have to see what they they do with that. Um, yeah, so that's been quite good fun. I've uh, still, I'm wading through the Stephen Baxter NASA trilogy novels, which I mentioned last week. And I've decided they are to be endured rather than enjoyed. Um, but I have to read you a bit from one of them. So in his book Titan, which was written in 1997 there's a, a bit where he's talking about a new president in america and the kind of political ramifications for america and the world and he goes on to talk about the ramifications for nasa under this new president but if i'll just read you um this bit uh mclachlan after his wafer thin win in the 2008 election uh mclachlan called it a liberation of the capital Armed militia bands came in from Idaho and Arizona and Oklahoma and Montana to fire off black powder salutes to the nationalist populist who promised to repeal all gun control laws. In the crowd, uh, there were Ku Klux Klan costumes, a sight he thought had gone into an unholy past. Come to that, there was a rumour that a former Klan leader was being made ready to become a future White House Chief of Staff. Uh... As soon as McLachlan lifted his hand from the Bible, US peacekeeping troops in the Balkans and Africa started to board their planes to leave. Foreign aid stopped. The UN was being thrown out of New York, and there was a rumour that McLachlan was planning a military adventure to take back the canal from Panama. Army engineers set in place during the handover from the last administration started to build a wall, 2,000 miles of it, along the Mexican border to exclude illegal immigrants. While it was being built, troops brought home from peacekeeping abroad were operating a shoot-to-kill policy. There was chaos in the financial markets. McLachlan had withdrawn the US from the North American Free Trade Treaty from the World Trade Organization. Reviews of the country's membership of the World Bank and the IMF had started. <clears throat> so um, that's a really good example of how good some sci-fi writers are at predicting the future, I think. What, when did he write this? 1997. Blimey. It's quite something, isn't it? Yeah, and there's quite a lot more of it uh, that's that's just really bang on the nose for Trump. Um, it's almost like Trump's staff have read it. <laughs> but I think that's a really good thing that good sci-fi authors do, which is predict a like a credible future, um, and not just kind of in terms of you know science and technology. They they're often bang on the money with kind of social and cultural changes as well so yes Stephen Baxter's NASA trilogy not not fun but a good solid sci-fi read with some good bits like that hmm. so um, what's the rest of your week been, uh, been about has it just been all work and no play yep 
Uh, yeah, look, yeah, it has. It's just been working. Um, I was hoping to be quite quiet and get on with press, but um, yeah, this site has just gone on and on, and uh, and and I've had. Yeah, the most interesting thing is is a is a client that I managed to get rid of Ooh. has snuck back in, <laughs> uh, and it's very hard, isn't it, when someone comes back after a few years and you forget why you kind of got rid of them. <laughs> did you did you actually get rid of them or did you just kind of quietly say, oh, "I'm sorry, I can't fit that work in at the minute"? Uh, yeah, well, polite. Yeah, that's the polite yeah. way of firing a client, isn't well, it? Well, yeah. <laughs> and now they're back. <laughs> yeah, and equally is just straight off the bat, you know, absolutely appalling. So, um, yeah, I don't know what, what. How do you? How would you deal with it? What do you? What would you do? Do I just need to be really blunt, or um, <clears throat> yeah, just say no? I don't want to do this work. Yeah, just say you're too busy. You're not taking on any more new work. Yeah, at the minute. Yeah, until 2019. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's it's those it's it's those two things that um, used to really upset me when I worked for an agency, and especially when I worked for a sign company. Just, just was, two. Well, no, there was a lot, but um, no, you know, bad clients. Um, we seem to embrace them when I worked for the sign company. Yeah, and um, we took we we spoke about that last week, didn't we? Where yeah. when you're a bit younger, you kind of just grab everything you can, and it's only learning the hard way that you realise that you need to filter out who you work with. Um, the other thing is taking breaks. Um, when I was working in the sign industry, it was quite macho not to take breaks and to even take paid holiday. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. you would you would just get given the money at the end of the year and just work all the year through i did that a few times stupidly um and uh it's it sort of instills you that kind of who's going to be the earliest to work who's going to be the last to leave it's a it's a really old british culture isn't it yeah of of working like that yeah i don't think it's just just a worldwide culture i think it's a western culture so I'm coming up to whenever you want to take breaks, things either go wrong or you just suddenly get loads of work in or you're completely unorganized and then go away in a kind of high anxiety, mm. especially when you work for yourself. It's it's um, It's been very easy for me up to last week to sort of say, no, no, I'm not taking a laptop. I'm not taking anything. I'm just going to, you know, leave, shut down for two weeks and come back again. But yeah. you, you then start getting this nagging sensation that you you are actually responsible for your business <laughs> and if inquiries or questions are coming in especially if you're running websites or an ongoing project at the time then you kind of need to be there don't you yeah to an extent i think certainly you know you you need to be there in case of an emergency with one of your clients websites even though that's not particularly your job to maintain them I think the other thing about, you know, kind of being around for inquiries and stuff, then I don't know. I mean, I think, I think a lot of people would still be forgiving of, you know, if, you, if they got an out of office saying, you know, I'm on my annual break for two weeks. Yeah, we just we don't have that kind of closing down for August. No, well, my dad used to work in a, in a chocolate factory and, and uh, they always used to have two weeks off. Chocolate factory used to close for two weeks. Oh, right. Pearl Factory, like 8,000 people, two weeks off. And yet, I bet the uh, travel agents around there rub, rub their hands together. <laughs> I bet eh? they did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So, and I've been, yeah, I've been, so I've been making great progress with with my um, online shop, as it were. Yes, um, you should have so, some really nice looking stuff. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I've, I've, I'm kind of I'm coding it from myself. So, um, I'm using a framework um, kind of shop. It's not really a, a thing that you'd skin. So, yeah. um, so it's taken me a lot longer uh, to to get it sorted. But yeah, I've, I've built an address book and you know proper sign up and it's links through to pay and it's, it's kind of as far as far into an app that i've ever got um and uh so i've signed up to be uh for a apple developer license or oh, whatever cool. it's called um only because then i can get a sandbox of playing with apple pay ah because nice. i'm going to enable i might en- enable that i was yeah, playing around with the demo of that um yeah so it's it's cool um so yeah, when I'm very nearly there. Yeah, <laughs> he cool. says. That Apple Pay things is kind of more useful now, isn't it? Because it's available on desktop as well. Yeah, I try. I've never tried it, but it's it's really clever, isn't it? It's it pulls in all of your address data, mm. um, so you don't you end up not having to fill in anything on a on just, a form. Just like kind PayPal. Of PayPal does the same, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, PayPal's great. Um, yeah. But you just pay a massive percentage when you're yeah. running it as a business. Okay. But I'll probably have P- PayPal on there as well. You know, you might as well get yeah. uh, <clears throat> get a few a few options in there. Um, so yeah, so that that's been that's been my uh, my week really. Um, and uh, yeah, and I've been dealing with a broken web server today. So uh-huh. uh, you can hear the exhaustion and <laughs> tears in my eyes. That's, <laughs> that's what I've been doing. Uh-huh. Uh, I'll tell you something else I did this week. What's that? Uh, there was... Oh, I can't remember what the tweet... There was the, there was an article doing the rounds, which I only read a... Started reading, which was a guy who had only retweeted women on Twitter because he he was aware that his, his kind of Twitter bubble was a bit male-centric. And thinking about that, I thought, well, my Twitter bubble is exactly the same. You know, all a lot of the... Artists, illustrators, concept artists I follow, and a lot of, you know, the vast majority of the designers are all men. Um, and I thought, as well as that kind of limiting my kind of outlook on the artistic world, I'm probably absolutely missing out on some great stuff. So I put out a tweet saying, uh, follow lots of illustrators, the vast majority of them men, recommend me some. Uh, great women artists, illustrators, and concept, concept artists to um, to follow, and it went nuts, which was brilliant. Um, so I retweeted kind of for a whole day, kind of everything that came in. I think I had kind of a couple of hundred replies to it and a hundred retweets, so it kind of went bonkers. And found some uh, absolutely amazing artists, um, and as well as kind of. A real variety of sort of styles and subjects. I found um, a lot of women artists doing stuff that I love that I see from male artists, but just doing it in a slightly different way, which is it's just really interesting and kind of opens my eyes a bit to to other stuff. Because it was a really interesting little experiment, and I'm now following, you know like 150 more great artists. What's the big issue with um, the difference between um, men and women artists? And does it make any difference to what sex they are? Is it just a kind of 
just too much of a boys club yeah i think in. well i don't know because actually a lot of the people recommending women artists were were men um so i don't think there is uh, well i didn't get the impression that it was uh kind of cliquey in that way um i think it was just how it's kind of turned out i guess because i particularly for the kind of sci-fi illustrators and concept artists and more of them are men than women that it just kind of reinforces that bias that my twitter feed had um i mean i think i would say that there was an awful lot more character work coming through in from women artists which is good because that's something i'm terrible at and my twitter feed probably lacks um yeah but i I guess this was only day before yesterday, so I'm still kind of my my kind of Twitter feed is only just kind of beginning to change, and I'm only just beginning to kind of see these these other artists coming through. So I, you know, I might have to come back to you in a week and tell you more about that. It's good. It's kind of it's a nice nice little thing to do to just change up kind of you know what you're seeing on a daily basis. Have you seen the new Preacher is out? Uh, is it out already? Yeah. I, I'd seen the trailer for it. I didn't realise yeah. it, it was out, out. It's so three I weeks it. in. I, I've only watched the first episode, but it's it started how it <laughs> how it finished. Yeah. Uh, it's exceptionally violent. Good. Um, it's really, really good and funny. It, it is just very funny, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm it, definitely going to have to dig back into that. Oh, it's a world away from American Gods, which I just found interminable. I must admit, I haven't watched the last three or four episodes of that. I got a bit slow, and I mean, I know the you know the book is dense and slow and confusing, but yeah, I mean, it's it beautiful me looking, but yeah. it just doesn't make any sense, and it's so slow that um, it's almost you know, you yeah, well, it's soporific. Yeah, it's, um, it, they must have been very confident with American Gods that it was going to get a second series because you know it tells a story. The book tells a story, and obviously the the first series doesn't tell all that story. Um, so if it hadn't got a second series, it would have been a really peculiar TV series, wouldn't it? Yeah, are you uh, are you at a birthday party? How can you hear it? Shut my window. No, 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 don't worry. It's the the restaurant. It's the pub or the restaurant down the road. (laughs) Yeah, summer nights, eh? Mm. Yeah. Uh, So, uh, have you got anything else this week? Preacher. Sounds great. Uh, Bit of news. Uh, I will start with uh, a potential field trip for North v South. Uh, we had our first field trip to the VNA. Um, we, maybe we should have our next field trip to the VNA as well. They've opened a new gallery and courtyard called the Sackler Courtyard. It's been six years in the making. So it opens out onto Exhibition Road, um, and it's big, beautiful, kind of neoclassical courtyard. And then it's got galleries beneath. Um, I think it. I can't remember. Ads many many thousands of square feet of galleries um and it looks all looks very very beautiful but in the same way do you remember we talked about the battersea power station redevelopment and they were saying oh yeah we want to keep things nice and local no chains so we're going to have a uh, what was it an artisanal gin 
uh, distillery and a, an organic sourdough pizza pizzeria or something. Yeah. Uh, the museum says this shouldn't be seen as a museum project, but as an urban project. Even when the gates are closed, you can see through the perforations. So there's real dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, this this is them regenerating Kensington by, the but yeah, which is just the biggest load of rubbish. Um, you know, it's cost many tens of millions of pounds, and they're trying to brand it as something for the for the area, where it's it's just not. But the area is. Uh, Hardly needs regenerating, does it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's no, there's no poverty within about half a kilometre there, is there? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I know that sounds like a small bit, but London is like that. But yeah, it, yeah it's got nothing. There's, it's no, it's all very grand, grand, and glorious. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it does look. Yeah, beautiful. I saw it. It does look nice. Uh, where is it? Is it on the? Is it, it says the it's front on. The side? It says it's on Exhibition Road, uh, between the V&A and the. Um, Natural History Museum. Okay. Which I, from all the pictures, I couldn't quite work out where it was, but yeah. Yeah, there's been a lot of hoarding down the side there. There has, there? yeah. Uh, have you got any news, John? <laughs> <laughs> well, I started collecting. You can have some of mine if you went, want. Before I went, yeah, no, you're doing all the news and everything else oh, okay. today. Um, but no, I have got one. I did start. On on a good on a good note this this week, but um, it's all gone horribly wrong. But this story is quite fascinating. Mm. It's a story about um, in, in a branding, or the so-called branding agency called Super Duper, um, and the news item was posted on Open Democracy UK, which I'm guessing is a, some kind of leftist news site, um, and they they're calling it a branding agency when actually it's. Um, it looks like um, what is it? It's like a marketing brokering place, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, a, a one-stop shop to to buy your branded pens, parasols, tote bags, leaflets. Yeah, not branding at all. Obviously, on the they're on the their journalists are on the trail of um, of who's funding all the all the separate individual campaigns mm. that have uh, managed to wrangle uh, us out of the European Union, um, and they found this this company called um super duper and they have uh, it seems to be a one-stop shop for any kind of uh right-wing uh right-wing sort of single issue group um so for example it's got uh the dup buy all their signage from there oh, you could buy all DUP. their signage from there grassroots out vote leave vote uh leave eu it's amazing isn't it um, it is what coincidence and they're all this tiny little company is based in uh, Ely, yeah. um, in Cambridgeshire. Uh, I think that the um, the story is fascinating for a number of reasons. One is, does this matter? Does it matter that um, this you know the chap who's running this company has obviously got his fingers in a few mm. uh, right wing pies? He obviously knows a lot of people and a lot of a, a lot of people who work in that kind of part of the industry the signage sort of or the uh, promotional items mm. often do uh, network quite a lot don't they At, yes I, I know loads you know they use those local network things that absolutely break, breakfast British, meeting things. yes god i hate those things <clears throat> oh they're awful Went to they're, full of, they're full of people who are like ukip supporters. yes they are small-minded small town mentality people yeah um you have to swap 
business cards, don't you? you and do. if you don't swap a business card every week, you get kicked out. You have to stand up I'll, and tell people about yourself as well, which is uh, embarrassing. I went to one once, and right. once was enough. Yeah. It's full of either accountants or trades. In, yeah, in, mechanic, into, plumber. Yeah. Anyway, I think that that's how this guy's obviously got in there. But it, I think the, the heart of the story is the fact that they all, all of these disparate campaigns said that they weren't there, there was no sort of solid uh, cohesion between them all um, to, to campaign for Brexit. Yes. Um, but this kind of links them all together. Um, so I'm th- I think it's the start of some kind of some interesting journalism that will go into a conspiracy behind behind this. But I, I don't know how far that story goes. Yeah, this, there's a whole thing with the DUP as well, because the DUP, I think, spent a lot of money on campaigning did they campaign to leave they must have done yeah 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 yeah, um and very little of their spend seemed to have been actually spent in northern ireland so a a lot of their uh accounted for spend seemed to have has been spent outside of their constituencies which i don't think should have been allowed so that there's a whole uh kerfuffle about that as well yeah but it's nearly it's eight hundred thousand pounds they spent with this agency. Mm. Yeah, there's something very fishy going on. Yeah, there. well, it, it more it more than doubled their turnover, didn't it? I think. <laughs> yeah, so very strange. Uh, watch that space. Uh, my next bit. They of news. call it. They call it dark money. Dark money makes it sound much more exciting than I'm sure it is. Uh, my next bit of news. I I think I got this last week. Um, but I didn't mention it. I got Mussolini's new book uh, called "I Wonder What I'm Thinking About." Now, if you don't, if you're not on Twitter. You might not have heard of Mussolini. He's um, an illustrator and writer who uses Twitter as uh, as a tool of work, really. And his book, "I Wonder What I'm Thinking About," kind of collates masses of the his Twitter output. Uh, into a book so it's full of plus loads of other stuff as well loads of illustrations and writing and uh, just really funny stuff but loads of cartoons loads of little puns jokes wordplay it's really beautiful illustrations Um, and it is a beautiful very very funny um, book Uh, cracking illustrations as always from Moose um and some really moving little poems and bits of writing uh, and some hilarious little cartoons. And it's beautiful. It's really beautifully produced. It's by Unbound, which I think we've talked about before. Did you, a friend of yours produce a children's book through Unbound? Yeah, he's funded. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they've done an amazing job. You know, <clears throat> I think you see a lot of books produced through Kickstarter, Um and this, uh, I guess, Unbound is a little bit like Kickstarter. It's a way to self-fund uh, your book. But unlike Kickstarter, Unbound actually then take care of production and they they kind of co-produce it with you and, you know, they have designers uh, and they take care of all the kind of printing and manufacture. Um, um, the result is a beautiful fabric-bound book that's just glorious. You know, that's a any you know well-established publishing house would be very proud of that book so that's well worth um 
getting your mittens on. Where can uh, you get that from? You then? can get that from worldofmoose.com. Mm. Yeah. A great website. It is a great website. He does lots yeah. of marvellous stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, whew, just take a breath now. Actually, I'll take a mouthful of beer. Um, if you want to take one of my <coughs> pieces of news, you may, um, John, while I talk about... Uh, Daniel Benioth Gray, friend of the show, tweeted a link to uh, an article this week. And it was uh, an article on Stack Exchange, the workplace. Not entirely sure what that is. Um, but basically, it was, a, it was a, an article by this guy who is an IT programmer. And he said, is it unethical for me not to tell my employer I've automated my job? So he works on a legacy system for a company. The system's old. He was hired as a programmer, <clears throat> but his job is pretty much glorified data entry. And he's been doing it a while, and over the last 18 months, he's figured out how to automate it, and he basically just kind of runs a script that um, takes 10 minutes to do what it used to take him a week to do. And it does it as well as he did it. Um, so his problem is, do I tell them? If I tell them, they'll probably just take the program and get rid of me. Um, and the the comments are, are kind of um, oh one of the weird things is he says he occasionally puts in the um, bugs so it makes it look like it's being done by a human <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah. so there's the, the ethics <laughs> the of police, should, police siren goes yeah, off exactly. so should he well no bugs in the in the data not in the you know nothing that would cause havoc but um I think the some of the responses to this was, God, yes, this is terribly unethical. You're lying to your employer. Uh, and other people were saying, actually, this isn't unethical at all. They're paying you for a result for a, a product. That product is, you know, the, the spreadsheet result at the end of your week's work. The fact that it's now taking you 10 minutes rather than 40 hours is beside the point. Um, but it kind of harks back to something we've talked about pricing, isn't it, about... Um, how you charge for something because you're you're not just paying for an end product you're paying for experience and skill and all the kind of behind the scenes thought that goes into something as well as the end product so you know a logo might only take you 10 minutes to come up with but you're also charging for the 20 years of experience but it was uh, it was a really interesting article i'm sure there'll be a lot more of that kind of thing around yeah I, i've 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 read a couple of others like this but the 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 dishonest parts are one he's employed he's not self-employed uh, and it doesn't say anything about him um being on some kind of uh task related contract he's just paid to go to work so you know i would say <laughs> well, he's, well he he does you, work from he works from home yeah, but, but if yes. you've finished your task, you then ask, ask them, for more. Your, your line manager, what can I do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not, not is, slink uh, off. I, I guess that and is not, just... And if you're introducing bugs into something, <laughs> or, you know, errors, then there's definitely some kind of shady thing going on. Yeah. If you have to ask on a public forum... <laughs> if yes, this is right. Yes, <laughs> this, is, this is totally <laughs> illegal wrong. And, yeah, I think you deserve to get fired. <laughs> I really do. Um, I... I I take my hat off to uh, to your um, to your brave braveness and obviously very clever. But uh, I would say 
I would suggest that you uh, that you package up the the automated scripts that you've written and present that to them. No, yeah, that that would be yeah, and get a promotion. Yeah, but you can't you can't be employed in a you know a nine to fiver and (laughs) and expect to only go into ten minutes if you've finished all your. Kind of admire his chutzpah. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, it's good enough. Yeah, well done. But yeah, you, yes, you deserve to be fired. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. So I've seen Typographica uh, have released their favourite typefaces of 2016, uh, and that's taken them a while to get to. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think they've been busy. They do. They do reference that in the article. They like, say so they've been a bit busy. Uh, and what's the what's the whole thing behind it? What what is the pot? Why I think I think they do it. They do it every year, and I think it's a little bit about looking at kind of you know inter- new and interesting typefaces, and a little bit about kind of if there's any themes of the year. Um, and they don't really talk about that too much in this article. They talk a lot about um, type distribution and how. Um, font and type creators are taking uh, font distribution into their own hands rather than selling through, you know, the big boys of, you know, monotype, font shop, whoever. Um, so that I think that in some respects seems to be more about more of their theme of the year than any particular kind of aesthetic um, thing I think they they say that geometric sans serifs and hand rendered scripts are still uh, very popular. Um, yeah, but some there's some beautiful types there. It's, it, I think it's always nice to kind of see a little collection of uh, type from a from a year, just to see the the massive variety. Because obviously, yeah. the stuff you see used, you know, is usually quite conservative. You know. Um, for most jobs, um, so it's nice to, to to see a real range of stuff. I mean, some of the stuff on there is really quite experimental and quite illustrative. <coughs> um, yeah. And how, how have they made the list? Is it just their own I choices? Think it's entirely their own choices. Mm. Yeah, but I picked out um, a couple that I really liked. Uh, yeah. Well, actually, one I picked out for you, which was uh, Gintronic by uh, Patrick uh, oh, that's, that's my alcoholic robot name <laughs> Mark Fromberg and right. it is uh, a typeface designed for coding so it's a it's a monospaced font uh, that's designed particularly to, to be very legible when you're coding so with all the different you know kind of syntax that's that's used in coding um, and specifically designed um, for that, which oh, is quite right, interesting. Yeah, right. It's very small on my screen. Um, you can click oh, it. Right. Yeah, <laughs> you can click it. It's the internet, John. You can click things. So you would buy a type. Yes, <laughs> buy a typeface to just do to do your coding. I guess if all you do is coding, and you know that speeds you up by being more legible, then it's probably worth it, isn't it? Tax deductible and everything. I could give it a go. What I've spent um, last ten days looking at code all what, day. What typeface do you code in? What's your typeface uh, of choice? 
I don't know. I just, whatever <laughs> the thing is. You must be a choose, don't you? Some kind of monospaced yeah. jobby. Do you I yeah, I think you can, but I just don't ever go there. I should, yeah. maybe I should. Bear with me. It's Menlo regular. Menlo. So yeah. that sounds like a Microsoft font. Is it? Because Microsoft are based at Menlo Park. All right. I believe. Yeah, you're on fire tonight, aren't you? <laughs> well, not if I'm wrong. Uh, what, I like, what I like about Gintronic is it's hyper-individualization of shapes within its end square. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of the things that uh, really struck me about it as well. <laughs> it's quite yeah. nice, though. It's got a nice heft to it. Uh, yes. Would it be able to understand, though, when you're coding? It's got Obviously, this is not the best um, spoken word thing to talk about, typefaces <laughs> laid out. But it's got nice light typefaces and then really heavy ones. I'm not sure you can... Can you get coding to do that? Uh, I don't know. Mine, mine doesn't do that. It just goes in different colours. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. I might be wrong about Menlo Park, by the way. It's an area of San Francisco. You know, kind of Palo, Palo Alto. I think it might be Microsoft, but I might not be. <clears throat> Bang on there. Thomas Edison was based at Menlo Park. Right. There you go. Anyway. Um, <sighs> another another type um, bit of news. Spectral, which is a uh, parametric type for Google fonts. Okay. I think you mentioned this parametric type thing a while ago, and I didn't really have a clue what you were talking about. So it's one of these kind of f- uh, fully variable, responsive fonts that you can modify uh, for uh, lots of different usage. Um, and the website, when you open it up, spectral.prototyper.io, um, when you run your cursor over the different uh, kind of elements on screen, you can see the differences. So you can alter the thickness of a letter. You can uh, change the angle of the serifs. Uh, you've got alt letters. You can alter the width of stuff, change uh, the uh, radius dimensions of the bracket curves, uh, the curviness, curviness of the type itself to make it like a geometric or like a square the contrast of the letters um it's quite interesting um yeah it's mad but i don't i mean some of the results are obviously hideous yeah Um, this is putting this is putting far too much power into the hand of the uh it is isn't it uh, yeah i think I, i mean i guess on one hand you'd say well you know the everyday person isn't gonna go to these lengths they're not gonna use a parametric type but you could probably have said that about desktop publishing 25 years ago so um yeah it's a dangerous game i saw the you know different weights and maybe a slight you know variance in in serifs or whatever but to be able to fundamentally change the character of the typeface Mm. uh is is slightly strange isn't it i think i I think obviously what really fascinating um just with one typeface some fascinating typesetting in a sort of you know almost like the 1920s, 1930s, um, because we've got this new uh, CSS grid yeah. that's just been, um, well, it's now sort of, I think it's live in some of the latest uh, browsers, which allows you to lay out much more like a like a desktop publishing yeah. um, device where you can actually position things in relative, you're not just stacking stuff. So I think we're going to see a lot more um, play with type and space. Mm. 
um, in in design. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, yeah, I think there's you know this is experimental, but there's way you know, and it's really beautifully made. It's really nice to just rub your finger over the shapes and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's just too there's too many parameters. Yeah. I mean, I guess the thing is that you know that it's been designed carefully so that you know whatever you you're doing on the screen obviously you can only see sort of one letter at a time whatever you do to that is then carefully and thoughtfully applied to the rest of the glyphs so that you get something that is consistent and looks of a whole um right but um but yeah it's just it's a strange one i'll be really intrigued to find out what people do with that that's cool yeah Mm. where do you find that one out I think that was on underconsideration.com, mm. which is one of... Oh, Quipsologies. You know Quipsologies from Under Consideration? No. So Under Consideration is a, a group. They do brand new. So they do the brand new conference and the um, brand new website, which looks at logo redesigns. Um, and Quipsologies is kind of like their uh, user-submitted or curated curious stuff in the field of art and design um, but it's well worth a look Quipsologies um, they often, they usually put out two or three links a day um, and there's some generally some really interesting stuff on there um, yeah uh, my last bit of news I have is um, a little bit of branding news from a record shop that I knew of, but I've never been in, which is Fonica Records in Soho. Um, I'm assuming that's Soho, London rather than Soho, New York. Um, and they've been rebranded by Stu Ross and Jack Featherston. And I really, really love the the logo. Um, I think it's just really, really nice wordmark and the, the graphic stuff that they've done for kind of t-shirts and bags I think it's really striking it gives the whole thing a, a great distinctive bold look yeah it looks great I love, mm. love it what are the diamond bits I don't know um, but it's nice maybe they're notes maybe um, it doesn't go into um, too much of the of the ins and outs of how they came to uh, that end result but looks nice my only comment on it and i've only just mm. looked at this <laughs> is that it looks very light compared to the heaviness of the extra you know the records and the sleeves and stuff yeah you're right um but it is, the t-shirts look fantastic yeah they do um, i like i like them in the blue mm. yes. work. Uh, so that's kind of all my news so this week uh we don't have a main topic of conversation um, don't we I've been prepping all week. <laughs> uh, I should do that one week for like an April Fool. Tell you there's a topic and then let you prep all week and change my mind at the last minute. Well, that's what you normally do, Rob. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we decided we'd do a little roundup of, of we the last <laughs> couple of weeks. The last couple of weeks we've missed out on our website of the week. Oh, you know, I think just... it's about it's about four weeks, Rob. Well, I've only got one. I've only got. I normally, I've only got one. Web- hang on, John. Have you been, we'll just, have hang you, on. Hang have on. you had stop, a pie thrown at stop, you? Stop! 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 We've had a pie. I've had a pie <laughs> at me. I'm actually now laughing. So I said because this is episode fifty-seven. 
I said, Do you know what I'm going to have with my pie? I'm going to have some Heinz beans. Heinz 57. Right. So my oh, pie has arrived on a plate with a tin of beans. <laughs> uncooked <laughs> and unopened. <laughs> do you know what she expects me to do with them? <laughs> She's walking off now, giggling. That's pretty. Uh, so I'm not having beans with my pie anyway. But my pie's arrived. I like a cold baked bean. You like a cold baked bean? Should I go yeah. for the cold baked beans with my hot pie? Yeah, definitely. Okay, I'll try that. Oh, I'm still laughing. Uh, right, so yes, <laughs> to get back to the podcast. Uh, the last uh, two or three weeks, we've missed out on our website of the week. Um, just because we've overrun on everything else. So we thought we'd just have a little catch up of kind of some web type stuff. Um, some websites that we've seen here and there. Um, rather than having a, a serious um, topic to discuss. When you said I've got a large collection of website stuff, I don't really, I kind of go to the same three or four websites every day. And, um, I, you know, I find some bits, but I, I over the last four weeks, I just had the same one <laughs> yeah, every well, week. I did as well. <laughs> we hadn't used it, so I just kept I copying kept, and pasting it in. So I had to desperately try and work out one. Can I start? Yes, you My can. My first one is uh, is um, uh, is a, a, a web post from a chap called This Northern Boy. <laughs> no, no blushing at the back there. Uh, it's Rob's Rob's blog, and it's a really good post that he posted this week. I really enjoyed it, and he talks about. Uh, his pens <laughs> as he likes to do as all all illustrators get, get a little pen porny don't they but um actually the sentence that i pulled out of it is the only way to get better at drawing is to draw and sounds like a very simplistic sentence but actually is at the heart of all creative endeavor um of you know if you don't do it you'll never do it yeah so just start doing it stop worrying about pens and uh, paper and you know what equipment you've got etc etc if you need to get something off your chest then then start mm. um, but it's a, it's, a, it's a great it's a great website he puts all his work up there he's, he's I'm not going to talk about him too much because he's got a huge ego already <laughs> uh, <laughs> no uh, it was a really good post Rob really that, enjoyed it uh, thank you it was actually sparked by myself and other illustrators, there's kind of a, a running meme about uh, what pen do you use, and I was guilty of falling into that trap. Kind of when I first started drawing two, three years ago, four years ago, whenever you know, think you'd see someone's drawing and you'd think, "Oh, that's amazing," and you'd ask them what pen it is, as if that is the key to great drawing. So yeah, I did a I did a post on that. Bless you, I did a post on my pens and kind of bits and pieces, um, and. Um, Essentially, just to kind of get that out of the way, so I can just refer people to that. Uh, but thank you for the mention, John. That's uh, very kind of you. You're welcome. Uh, so quickly, I will, in light of my tweet about female artists and illustrators, we've mentioned on the uh, show before, womenwhodraw.com, which is um, like a database of female illustrators and artists, and you can search by all sorts of different parameters. Uh, and another one that was um, tweeted to me is fantasticalwomen.com, um, which is really fantastic for me because of the, the themes of stuff that I love. It's uh, women in fantastical art, contemporary 
female illustrators and content, concept artists working in fantasy and science fiction. Um, and it's basically a Tumblr um, featuring loads of work. But there's some just amazing work there. So it's quite a good resource um, to kind of have a look at for some different work. And if you're thinking of hiring someone, and perhaps you, you're keen to hire a, a, a woman, then uh, it's a great place to look. <clears throat> some really beautiful work. Yeah. Um, and now the website that I have had <laughs> in my notes for the last three weeks uh, to mention is, uh, it's called Strip Panel Naked. Um, and I'm quite new to reading comics. Um, I'm not a comic artist. I don't suppose I'll ever be. Um, but Strip Panel Naked is a, uh, a YouTube um, channel. Uh, a guy called Hassan looks at the structure, uh, construction and composition of comic book art. And it is absolutely fascinating. He really, really knows his stuff. <clears throat> so obviously it concentrates on the kind of visual aspects of it, but he does talk about uh, the kind of different ways in which dialogue and comic writing can influence um, the kind of visual structure of narrative art. Um, but it's just brilliant. He'll take uh, two or three pages from a comic each episode and then breaks it down, looking at composition. It'll kind of feature on a specific uh, element each episode. So he might look at composition or how colour can be used to enhance suspense or how uh, lettering can be used to create rhythm. Um, and it is, you know, he absolutely knows his stuff brilliantly. Um, he looks at some amazing comics. Uh, he occasionally does special episodes where the comic artists or writers or colourists come in and he'll talk through their work with them. Um and not, uh, it's brilliant not only if you're kind of interested in comics but I think if you're interested in or interested in creating any kind of art or illustration it's really really useful because the stuff he talks about is absolutely applicable to, to kind of any area of art you know composition and rhythm and colour uh, I cannot recommend it enough so if you go on YouTube and just search for Strip Panel Naked by Hassan um, fantastic love it and he's actually just uh, launched um, a magazine about comics, so not uh, not featuring comic art, but uh, about the kind of art and business of comics uh, called Panel by Panel. I think you does can he, get that. Get does that he make comics? I don't know, actually. <laughs> I do not know if he makes comics at all. Or is he an academic? Um, I don't know. I mean, he he doesn't come across as an, an, an academic. Um, he comes across as someone who absolutely loves comics, but it's it's brilliant. Even if you're not a comic reader, I heartily recommend it because it's fascinating. <laughs> My website that I, was, uh, I had for the last four weeks is um, I was invited to play Dungeons and Dragons. Woo! Yeah, by uh, a chap that I play games with occasionally, mm -hmm. and um, he uh, he's a teacher and he runs a war like a wargaming club. And his kids all play, and they've started playing Dungeons and Dragons. So he decided a lot of the other teachers wanted to play. So uh, anyway, I've I've meant to have played the last couple of weeks, but I just hadn't had time. 
But the reason I'm talking about it is that the I didn't realise that D and D is open source these days. Where the actual rules you used to buy in a box, didn't you? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you can literally download the rules either as a PDF or um, just look at them online. Uh, I think it's in the fifth edition now, maybe okay. fourth edition. Um, and I think what they've done is they've merged advanced D and D with D and D. So it's a little bit more complicated, but it's under D and D dnd.wizards.com and it's it's great it's a great website and uh, it's really interesting to see oh, i'm gonna stop saying that it's uh it's great to see dungeons and dragons flourishing i think you can yeah. play as, a, as a, a computer game now uh, i'm just not interested in that but it is it has been fascinating we're playing over whatsapp so he's kind <laughs> of dungeon mastering like the introductions and um cool. and generating a character was uh was was quite interesting. That always I, I, used to be the best bit for me. I still love yeah, that I think aspect of I, it. I wrote a program. Um, yeah, I've said this before. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, yeah, I wrote a program that you could, it then came out on a dot matrix printer <laughs> uh, with your with your character. But yeah, um, you can just download PDFs now of the character sheets, and I, I, just, I just drew on mine in notes. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it is interesting to see the. Uh, the development of it yeah the, the, I'm sad, really interested the sad thing it. is that i've uh, that's uh, the thing i found disappointing about it is that they've cr- created a world their own world in which every, you know there's it's a bit game game of thronesy okay um and i just find all of that stuff a bit you know cheesy it's yeah. always the cheesiest names and stuff but we're, <laughs> we're just going to play completely made up yeah places i mean you could yeah, always buy um you know the kind of campaign packs couldn't you um, yeah, but they never were, kind of tried to join up the whole world, did they? It was normally no, just a one-off an area. Yeah. yeah. So, but I guess yeah. that's how they make their money. If, if you know, the kind of bones of the game are now open source, they must be making their money from selling kind of the add-ons and the, the campaign packs and stuff. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think it's part of Hasbro. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's not. They're not short of a few bob. Amazing. I'd quite but like. Be, I'd quite like to go. Yeah, I'll be painting my figure up. Oh, we'll have to Maybe. see that. <laughs> I know. I haven't painted a lead. Oh no, that's that's a lie. Actually, I haven't painted a fantasy lead figure since the early eighties. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. There was a guy I was at school with, <clears throat> who was uh, a couple of years above me, and he was he was the best at art in the school. He was incredible, and he used to have a real good. Um, little money making line in painting people's lead figures for them. I mean, he, yeah, was, this, he was absolutely incredible. But uh, yeah, yeah, this guy Alex, though I'm playing, he he sells, he paints and sells loads of stuff on yeah. on eBay. Yeah, makes, there's a big makes hundreds of quid. Yeah, there's a big thing in it. I follow a few accounts on Instagram that do that. Um, yeah, maybe should maybe should get out my little enamel pots of paint again. Yeah, well, you don't. It's not enamel anymore, is oh, it? It's what? Lovely, lovely acrylics. Jesus, easy. Ruined Bending. everything. Well, you'll have to keep us updated on that, John. Yeah, I'll let you know. I, I still need to come up with a name. Oh, we could we could crowdsource it. Mm. Or can I've you do it like? Can we do it like? I've can got... you do it like your um, like your porn name? You know, yeah. your, your mother's maiden name plus the name of your first pet. No, because then you just come out like any uh, fancy writer of the last fifty years, don't you? <laughs> What would your just out of interest? What would your porn name be under those? Uh, 
Those I don't know. What, what are the rules? So it's your mother's maiden name plus your, the name of your first pet. Uh, Debnam Lion. <laughs> That's very sophisticated. Mine would be Tarzan Willy. <laughs> that's, the t- that's the title for the episode isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> right uh, my next you, bit of- you knew that very readily I did yes uh, well it's so memorable anyway my next uh, little is that, with, is that with Willy with an E yes <sighs> my next uh, website is a Twitter account and it's Rainmaker1973 so it's a guy called Massimo and he is an engineer and a journalist. And he tweets kind of surly scientific engineering GIFs, videos, photos, links to interesting stuff. <clears throat> but really uh, kind of visually incredible stuff. So just like three of the last things he's shown, uh, a video showing 125,000 years of human migration, which is amazing time lapse of frost and ice crystals forming on a piece of glass a video explanation of how calculators work so it's that kind of lay person's guide to science kind of twitter account and it's brilliant you know some amazingly visual stuff uh, on there so if you're at all interested in science and engineering and tech um rain maker 1973 on twitter um, Massimo well worth following brilliant mm. stuff I'm going to go for the for really boring <coughs> things I've been using the last few weeks okay. that uh, are very useful for graphic designers right. uh, t- two sites one is called speckle.net I don't know if you've heard of it mm. s-p-e-c-l-e dot net and it's a collection of print specs for publications <coughs> I think it's uh, it's obviously it's several serious big publishers yeah. have got together and created this almost like a portal hub for delivery um, purposes of, of color ads. Yeah. But also it has all of the sizes and specs on it. It's just it's really really nicely made. It has all the ICC profiles there. Um, Does it flight for, check things for you if you send them? No. Fire. Oh, but, okay. No, but my second one is um, GWG. So that is the um, uh, the Ghent work group, and they are responsible for creating uh, a lot of the pass for press settings, um, and they travel around the world and sort of create profiles that um, that kind of estimate the output of an average printer. Okay. Whether that's for a magazine press, mm-hmm. a sheet fed, offset, whatever, um, and you can download the package that they offer and use it to pre-flight um, files. So if you're doing a lot of adverts and you're not um, really uh, uh, very confident in um, working with ICC profiles and stuff, you can create your um, PDF and output it, open it up in Acrobat Pro, and then run one of these. You basically open up print production, and mm-hmm. you can then run uh, a profile using a setting. So, for example, if you're setting sending to magazine, you can choose the magazine setting and it will then correct and <coughs> amend and suggest changes to the artwork for you um, on the fly. So you don't need a posh pre-press anymore. Clever. You can do it all in, in Acrobat. But these are the, the those those two websites will really help you if you if you are struggling, because I know it's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of people only do the occasional ad yeah. and they get very uh, 
uh, stressed about converting <clears throat> colors. So that it will be a good start to go to the GWG. It's impossible to find your way around on the website. It's a usual, you know, the, your usual kind of um, academic website. Everything's hidden away, but you just look for the group, um, the work group settings, and you can download those. But they're actually built into Acrobat. You don't have to download to, and install them. Yeah. So those are two really boring graphic design websites. Boring but essential, John. That's me. That's my problem. <laughs> Uh, my my uh, last item could not be less essential. Um, it's uh, called Cutaway World. This is amazing, and it's um, it's great, isn't it? Cutawayworld.tumblr.com, and it is just a collection of images of cutaway images, illustrations, photographs, three uh, D models, all sorts from you know way back kind of I don't know kind of 15th 16th century stuff um, right through to now and it's fascinating they've got cutaway models of whales of uh, ships um, bodily parts there's a lovely x-ray of a goat Uh, (laughs) uh, a cutaway drawing of a three-headed dragon uh, a tree bark a submarine spaceships uh, it's loads of Star Wars stuff, volcanoes, an apple, uh, fighter jet. Uh, it's just, it's brilliant. Godzilla. There's a cutaway drawing of Godzilla. I mean, what, what more do you want? R2-D2. Yeah. There you go. Cutawayworld.tumblr.com. A, a cat with bees in it. A cat with bees in it? Are you making this up now, John? No, it says, why do cats purr? Because <laughs> they're full of bees. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that is that is a good site to lose yourself in for a couple of hours. Brilliant. Yeah. Good collection there, Rob. Well done. <clears throat> Thank you. Have you got anything else? No, 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 no. Oh, so it must be pie time. Yeah. I'm just opening my beans. I've no, I don't really do cold bit beans, but um, on your nice. recommendation. Yeah, I like them it. in the fridge. Although, given actually the atmospheric temperature, they're not that cold. <laughs> They're kind of lukewarm beans. Um, so what pie have you got tonight, John? I've got a Sainsbury's um, chicken, ham. It's hand-layered. Oh. Uh, it's a sliced jobby. Oh, okay. Nice. Um, I'm going to bite in and just review it quickly. I think I've had that one. I think it's good. Mm. Oh, yeah. Good jelly. Yeah. Mmm. <clears throat> Yeah, pastry on the top's a bit soggy, but that might be because it's been in a fridge. Mm. Um, yeah, that's really good. Yeah, I like that. I'm going to give that a seven. Excellent. Good. good uh, did you have a beer? I did. I had a star of Praman. Stroppy Barman, uh, as we used to call it. Yeah, but I finished it uh, pretty much before the show started. <laughs> I'm gasping. Yes. Well, it's that kind of weather. Uh, I have got a chicken, ham hock and leek pie from Armstrong's Butchers in St Margaret's. Popped to St Margaret's to get it today, not realising that it was the Soho House Festival at Marble Hill and everywhere was heaving. Um, <clears throat> so yes, one of my favourite uh, pie uh, emporiums. It's as delicious as all their pies. Really succulent chicken. Slightly smoky ham, co- ham hock. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> uh, 
uh, a nice crispy pastry. It's good. And the, the cold, say, tepid um, bit of beans. And what's your beer like? Not bad at all. The beer was delicious. Um, yeah, so 1906 Brewery. Their Reserva Especial. 6.5%. Brilliant when cold. Not so much when it's warmed up. But really nice. So, uh, it was our friend Nick Barber's birthday this week, and I spoke to him on the phone. Oh, well, so in, <clears throat> in honour of Nick, um, I'm going to give this a 7.34. Because he, uh, he said we hadn't gone down to two decimal places on our scoring. Happy birthday, Nick. Yeah, happy birthday, Nick. Yeah. Good party to end with. Hmm. So when are you heading off to France, John? Well, Saturday morning. Yep. Crack of dawn. I'll be having breakfast on the uh, boat at seven. Oh, marvellous. Where are you sailing from and to? Portsmouth to Cherbourg. Oh. So uh, Jessica's parents live right by... It's a 15-minute drive from the ferry. Okay, so you're staying there on tomorrow night? Yeah, exactly, yeah. So that's oh, why lovely. we're leaving tomorrow. Cool. Uh, but I, I'm sure I'll be up all night trying to fix this website um, and uh, and get everything else sorted. Okay, well, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'll let you get back to it. Yep, and we'll, um, we'll reconvene in three weeks' time, I we guess. We will. Have a marvellous holiday. Thank you very much. All right. Take care, John. You too. Bye. Bye. Bye.